You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Tonight we are talking about freedom in Christ. Tonight we are talking about what it means to be free, and we're talking about the enemy of freedom. And as we're going to unpack in a few minutes, we're going to see that there are two enemies of you being free in Christ. And it's slavery to your culture or slavery to your own self-righteousness. But we're going to see that God desires that every single person in this room would know and regularly experience a kind of freedom that only he could bring. Not a freedom that a nation could give you. Not a freedom that a boyfriend or girlfriend could give you. Not a freedom that could come from anything other than God himself. And so find me in Galatians chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. Galatians 5 verse 1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Just take that in for a second. Whether, whether you're a Christian, you're not into Jesus, you're kind of apathetic about your faith, you're just checking this whole thing out, you need to know from the beginning, God wants to say to you, it is for the purpose of freedom that Christ has set you free. The question is, what is that freedom look like? How does God define that freedom? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, what Paul's talking about here is, I believe, two different kinds of slaveries that all people can experience, including Christians. It's, it's the slavery of being trapped by your culture or it's the slavery of being trapped by your own self-righteousness, your own religiosity, the things that you do that you think God loves you because you do them. He continues in the passage, he says, verse 2, mark my words, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Now there's a lot in there. Let's unpack it. Paul's talking to a group of people who are tempted to believe that the things they do will ultimately bring them freedom. If they follow these religious laws, they will find freedom. And, and maybe some of you are going, well, I've never been tempted to think that if I follow laws, I'll be free. I want to make this comparison. That in the same way that these people are motivated by doing good works as a way of making God love them, or ultimately them feeling free, is the same temptation that you and I have to think, if I have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend, I'll finally experience freedom in life. Or if I'm a part of this gang, I will feel freedom and life and acceptance. Or if I go to that party, or if I try that drug, 
or if I lie to my parents, or if I start rebelling, or whatever it may be, if I do X, Y, and Z, I will finally have that freedom that I am ultimately looking for. But our first big idea that I want you to write in there is we need to stop looking for freedom in the places that we will never find it. I'm telling you there is, because I've walked with enough students, there is a kind of freedom that only Jesus can bring that no relationship could bring. I've told you guys this story before, but there was a girl in my last youth group that I was a part of, and when she went off to college, she just went way off the deep end. I mean, she started drinking and smoking and sleeping around with as many guys as she could, and I remember one night she called my wife and I at about 1 a.m., and she was crying, and she said, Eric, I don't know what drug I'm on right now. I don't know who it was that I just slept with, but I feel dead inside. I feel absolutely numb. You see, she had bought a lie that culture had sold her, that if she did this drug, drank this drink, slept with this person, she would be alive. She would be happy. She would be content. She would be whole. She would experience freedom, but it was always a lie. You see, that's the interesting thing about freedom and the slavery that our culture sells us. I mean, we, we live in a culture right now that says, if you do whatever it is that you want to do, you will be free. If you sleep with whoever you want, if you date whoever you want, if you do whatever you want, as long as you just follow your heart, you will be free. But the more you talk with people who have followed that path, the more you find out that the lie they were sold told them, if you do these things, you'll be free. And yet it always, always makes them feel enslaved. It hurts them. It shames them. It makes them feel removed from healthy relationships. See, guys, we got to give up this idea that freedom is found in just following our own desires. Because it always results in ultimately death and more enslavement. Maybe you've thought these thoughts. Maybe you've thought, my life belongs to me. Like, I'm in charge of me. My life belongs to me. Or maybe you've thought, if it feels good, God must be cool with it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you've justified gossiping because you said, well, she gossiped first. Or maybe some of you have said, well, it's just a computer screen. It's not a real woman on the other side that I'm looking at. It's just a computer screen. You see, as you make these justifications and as you follow the culture's trend and do whatever it is that you want to do, it will always end up in more enslavement. Because you and I have been sold, ultimately, a lie. You see, sin in the long run will always make you a slave to something or to someone. That could be a codependent relationship you're in. That could be a, a weekend habit that you participate in. That could be some secrets that you're keeping that nobody else knows about. But sin in the long run will always lead to you being enslaved to someone or to something. But maybe you're in this room and you're going, Eric, 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 like, like I'm a Christian. Like 
I've been following Jesus since like day one. I had the books of the Bible memorized. Like this doesn't apply to me. It actually does apply to you too. And in fact, for those of you that are in this room that are like super uber Christians, like you're not off the hook yet. Because Paul actually says here, he says, there's another way to actually be enslaved, and it's not running into what your culture says you should do, but instead it is, it is a kind of faith that is ultimately about you, where your own self-righteousness, your own good deeds, your own good behavior becomes the thing that sets you apart from others in a way where you judge others, and you become prideful over others. I mean, this is what he says. Look at what it says in verse 4. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. These people are thinking, man, if I get circumcised, which was an ancient Jewish practice, then God will love me and I can ultimately do whatever I want with my life. Or if I do X, Y, and Z that God says I should do, that he will love me more and I can look at everyone else in a way of disgust, I can, I can look down on them. And Paul's going, that's not what freedom is either. You see, some of us as Christians have become so good at noticing everybody else's brokenness. We can't see it. We can't see ourselves in the mirror and our hypocrisy. I mean, we're so quick and we're so good at pointing out what is wrong in everybody else and absolutely unwilling to turn the mirror on our own selves and say, God, what's up in me? And in fact, if we follow that kind of slavery, we become enslaved to constantly doing good deeds, not because we love God, but because by doing them, it makes us feel better than others. And by doing them, we believe God loves us more. You see, there's a kind of slavery on either side. And some of us in this room, we're enslaved to whatever culture says is good, and we're chasing that 100 miles an hour. Some of us are enslaved to our own self-righteousness, which is a kind of selfishness that is all about us and looking down on others, and we are enslaved to one of those. But Paul says there's another way. And I want to pause here for a second. If you're in this room and, and you're analyzing your own heart right now and you're going, you know what, I, I think I am enslaved to my own self-righteousness. I, I think it's really all about me. I look down on everybody else. I think I'm better than everybody else. I think I'm more spiritual than everybody else. I want to give you four tips if you want to write this down for maybe, maybe if honestly you're asking this question, am I following Jesus for the wrong reasons? And maybe you're in this room and, and you're following Jesus for the wrong reasons. It's about how many people see you being spiritual. It's about how great people think you are. And ultimately it's resulted in you looking down on everybody else. If that's where you're at, I want to give you four ways to get out of that. Number one is this, confess your sin. And you may need to go, no, no, but Eric, I, I know what everybody else's sin is. It's so clear. It's hard to see mine. Then you need to let Jesus in. And, and you need to say, okay, God, where is the sin in my life? I think the first thing you could confess is, God, I've made this following you really about me. It's been all about my good works. It's been all about what I can do to perform for you. And it's all about me looking down on other people. 
Number two, after you confess your sins, I want to encourage you to ask this question. That as you're doing any spiritual practice, whether it's reading the Bible, praying, serving, ask yourself this question. What is my motive? What is my motive right now? Is it to get likes on Instagram? Is it so that people will think a certain way about you? Or are you truly doing the thing you're doing because you have a deep love for God and you want to know him more? Number three, when you read the Bible, this is a really important one, you read the Bible, don't ask and don't pray, God, what do you want to say to other people through this? But say, God, what do you want to say to me? God, through your word, what do you want to say to me? Because I'll be honest with you guys, as, as a pastor and as a communicator, I, this is one I struggle with. It's very easy for me to look at the Bible and say, okay, God, what is it that you want to say to these people? But I need to be in the habit of saying, God, what are you trying to say to me? What, what sin and brokenness are you trying to reveal in me? And then lastly, when you pray, when you pray, go big on God's character. Focus your prayers, begin your prayers talking about how beautiful and amazing and holy and blameless God is. Instead of jumping into your prayers and saying, God, would you convict that person? Or God, why is that person doing that thing where you're so focused on calling out other people's sin? Instead, proclaim in the beginning of your prayers how big and amazing and incredible God is. But if there's a slave to, if, if there's a way to be enslaved to your culture and a way to be enslaved to self-righteousness, then what does freedom look like? Verse 6, Paul answers that for us. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value at all. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What a powerful verse. This is how I want to define freedom for us. You can fill it in your blanks. Freedom is this, a relationship with Christ that is marked by peace, approval, and lack of fear that expresses itself in radical and uncommon love for others. I'm going to say that again, and I want you guys to fill it in the blanks. Freedom is this, a relationship with Christ that is marked by peace, approval, and lack of fear that expresses itself in radical and uncommon love for others. Paul says, at the end of the day, this is the kind of freedom you can experience. You can experience a kind of freedom that first begins with a real faith, a real trust, a real relationship with Jesus. And when you have a real relationship with Jesus, you know what you experience deep down inside? Peace. Like this peace that God loves you. Guys, I want you to think about this for a second. That God knows exactly what you're going through right now. He knows exactly what is hard and challenging about your life. And he wants to give you peace. Like his peace. He wants to calm the storm even though it's raging around you. 
and he wants to give you approval. That means you don't have to earn it. That means you don't have to do something with her or him, or you don't have to try to do something for God in order for him to look at you and say, okay, I approve of you now. But instead, as you are, because you are in a relationship with Jesus, if you have surrendered your life to him, you have his approval. Christians, think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. I'm literally going to sneeze right now. I'm so sorry. I'm like trying to hold it in. That's never happened before. I thought I was going to get emotional. It was just a sneeze. Okay. Think about this for a second, Christians. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, my hope is this is one of the things that makes you want to follow him. Is that you have a kind of approval that the gang could never give you. You have a kind of approval that a girlfriend or boyfriend could never give you. You have a kind of approval that a salary could never give you, that a future could never give you. You have approval in the eyes of God, meaning he looks at you, and if you are in a relationship with Jesus, he approves of you. Like you're a part of his family. You're connected to him. He wants you close with him. And he gives that to you freely. The last one is, I think he gives you the ability, like an authentic relationship with God gives you the ability to look at fearful things in your life and trust them over to God. You know, it says in the scriptures 365 times, do not be afraid. And it's crazy because God says it to people going through crazy stuff. Like, like they think they're going to drown, and he'll say, do not be afraid. They think they're going to die, and he says, do not be afraid. And he always says after it, do not be afraid because I am with you. You see, God's withness makes all the difference. God's presence in our lives makes all the difference in the world. And this kind of peace and this kind of approval... And this kind of lack of fear creates this freedom in Christ that no nation, no security system, no salary, no neighborhood could ever offer you. And you know why that is? Because God is writing a story with your life and he's not done with it until eternity. Brindley and I, we, um, we started singing this song. It's more like screaming singing. That's what we do. We're just screaming singing this song um, by Hillsong Young and Free called Every Little Thing. I don't know if you heard that song. But the chorus says this. The chorus says, every little thing is going to be just fine. Whether I can see it now, I know you will work it out for good. I mean, think about those words. I mean, what a bold claim to say everything is going to be all right. I mean, everything's going to be fine. I mean, are you looking at the world right now? How in the world could you say everything is going to be fine? That every little thing is going to be fine. 
I think you can only say that when you are a Christian because you believe that God is knitting all of this together and all of the horrors and the pain and the drama and the tension and the things that are painful and broken in this world, God will make all of that right. That God will write a story out of it in some incredible way that only he could and ultimately he will redeem all things. Which gives me hope that whatever happens tomorrow, I know God is not done with my life yet. No matter what I face tomorrow, if I die tomorrow, I know that God is still writing a good story with my family's life. I know that he's still writing a good story with my life. I know that God is still in charge as I trust him. But this kind of faith, where you have peace and you have approval and you have a lack of fear, it produces a kind of love for people that is radical and absolutely uncommon. There's this quote from this pastor I've been listening to. He says this, he says, proximity breeds empathy, distance breeds suspicion. Proximity meaning be cl being close to people. It breeds an empathy. You begin to understand people. You begin to love them better in radical and uncommon ways. And especially if you choose to get close to people that are different than you, that come from different neighborhoods, that come from different backgrounds, that come from different stories. Instead of saying, you know what? My friends and I, we don't talk to people like that. Or no, that, that kind of person is no good for me. I think as Christians... We're called to enter into the world of people that we're surrounded by and to love them with this radical kind of love. Not a kind of love that has fear in it. Not a kind of love that's looking for approval or looking for peace from them, but a kind of love that says, I already have those things. I've been freed from fear. I've been given peace and I have approval. And so now I can love in uncommon, radical ways. And then lastly, lastly, Paul wraps up this conversation in verse 7. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. As Paul wraps up this conversation, he essentially says this to us Christians. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes on the road. Don't become enslaved to your culture. Don't become enslaved to your self-righteousness. Instead, be free, and free is having an authentic relationship with Jesus that causes you to love other people in crazy ways. But you need to be careful, because if you don't keep your eyes on the road, like a runner who's running and has somebody cut in front of them, they lose their pace. We have this mantra. We've been teaching the kids how to ride their bikes, especially Brinley. Like, it's taken us a really long time to teach my five-year-old how to ride her bike. And literally, I say, the, I say the same thing to her every single time. I put her on the bike, and I'm like, all right, Brinley, you ready? Here's our mantra. And she knows it. We say this. We say, eyes on the road, eyes on the road, feet on the pedals, hands on the bars. All right? Eyes on the road, feet on the pedals, hands on the bars. We say this over and over and over again because Brindley will do this. She'll literally jump on her bike and she'll start like pedaling and she like pedals like this. Like she just kind of like dances 
And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just stay focused. But she'll start pedaling, dancing, and then she'll just kick her feet off, and then she'll see, like, a squirrel, and she'll be like, squirrel! And she just, like, kind of, like, looks around, and I'm like, Brindley, you got to stay focused. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep your feet on the pedals. She'll just take her hands off if she gets tired. I'm like, no, keep your hands on the bars. And as Christians, as Christians, maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced what it's like to be on fire for Christ, to be living in his freedom. But maybe you've started to get a little wiggly. Maybe your hands aren't on the bars anymore. Maybe your feet aren't on the pedals. Maybe your eyes aren't on the road. They're looking all around. And what Paul wants to say is this. You're in danger. That if your eyes aren't fixed on Christ, if your feet aren't grounded in his word, And if your hands aren't connected to his community, you're in danger. And so I want to teach you just a prayer that I've been praying recently, and it's this. I've been saying, Jesus, it's the last blank. Jesus, I need you more than blank. I want you to take 30 seconds right now, and I want to ask you this question. Six months ago, Were you closer to Jesus than you are right now? Has there been any influences in your life that have distracted you and pulled you away from Jesus? Is there a relationship or an influence in your life? Maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's a person that their presence in your life is causing you to drift. It's causing you to take your hands off the bars, your eyes off the road, and your feet off the pedals. And maybe you're thinking, well, I can never let that relationship go. I can never let that addiction go. I can never give that thing up. And I want to challenge you to pray the prayer, Jesus, I need you more than blank. So what I want you to do is I want you to take 30 seconds right now, and I want you to fill in that blank. You know what it is for me right now? It's Jesus. I need you more than I need to get stuff done. I honestly find myself waking up so early, staying up so late just to work on things. And you know what gets sacrificed? My own time with the Lord. What gets sacrificed is me having an actual intimate relationship with Jesus. So for me, that blank is, Jesus, I need you more than I need to get stuff done. What is it for you? I want you to take 30 seconds and on your sermon notes right now, in that box, in that blank, I want you to write in what is yours. What is it that you're saying, Jesus, I need you more than this? I want to give you about 10 more seconds to fill that in. All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single one of these students. God, thank you for the freedom that you have offered us that can only be found in Christ. God, we confess that We are so prone to try to find our freedom in 
the things that our culture says we'll find it in, that we're so prone to find our freedom in our own self-righteousness, our own good works, the things we do. We're so prone to find our security in, in the cities we live in, the neighborhoods we live in, the friendships we have, the country we're a part of. But thank you, Jesus, that you offer us a freedom that transcends all of those things. That, Jesus, you offer us a kind of freedom that if all those things were taken away, we would still have in you. And God, tonight, would we have an honest conversation in our groups about the things that are getting in the way of that freedom? And would we have the boldness and the courage to let those things go for you, that we might be truly free in Christ? In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Hey, real quick, HSM, uh, you're going to head off to your...